The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained. I love mixing it up by betting against the spread, taking the over on Giannis's points every chance I get, and more exclusive bets like the two by three, two threes scored in the first three minutes. Plus FanDuel even lets you combine bets like those for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash blue wire. That's fanduel.com slash blue wire to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Virginia. We can all live happier, healthier, longer lives if we kind of just pay attention to this stuff, even just a little bit. What's up and welcome to the Very Best Self Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Tune in each week as I have candid conversations with inspiring humans, including athletes, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and anyone out there making waves. Get ready to leave your comfort zone behind, step into your power, and live a more purpose-driven life. I am so happy that you're here. Now let's do this. Welcome back to the Very Best Self Podcast. You guys, you guys, you guys, you guys. I just adore today's guest. Um, so if you're familiar, uh, in the past, I had Dr. Amen on the podcast and he is, he's written, I think he was the guy who's, who's written over like 87 books in his lifetime. Um, and so I had him on most recently because he wrote the book, you comma happier. And he is all about your brain health. Most recently he was on the Kardashian show. Um, and you can see he has almost, I think like 2 million followers on TikTok, a million followers on Instagram. But I loved that episode so much that I reached out to his team because I really wanted to have his wife on the podcast. And so she is our guest today. And you guys, I am telling you like this episode, like I just adore the both of them so much. And it was, it's such a good episode. I'm so excited for you to listen to it. Um, so we have Tana, Amy, in on the podcast today. Um, she is a brain health warrior as well. Um, and I just love talking about this stuff so much because I think, I feel like we just go through life and we're on autopilot and we do these things that we think that we're supposed to do. And we take care of, you know, what we can on the outside by eating, trying to eat the, the right foods and do all of the right things. But sometimes there's so much happening in our bodies and in our brains that, that we can't see. And so really figuring out how to optimize our brain health, I find to be just a really fascinating thing to just feel better overall, because don't we all want that? We all want to just feel better. And we all also want to have, you know, longevity in our lives and be there for the people that we love. And so I think that's why I find all of this to be so fascinating and so really just important, to be honest. Uh, 
And so with that, uh, she helps people uh, turn their pain into purpose. Uh, She's also a trauma specialist, Um, but we're really going to dive deep into brain health, how to be a happier version of yourself uh, and, uh, you know, trauma and, you know, all types of really, really fascinating, interesting things to help you live a longer life. And she's just absolutely wonderful. Uh, So you can follow her on Instagram also at Tana Amen, T-A-N-A. A-M-E-N. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Here we go. All right. Welcome back to the very best self podcast. You guys, I am, I'm over the moon excited to have Tana Amen on the podcast today. You guys, if you are a longtime listener, then you know that I had her husband, Dr. Amen on the podcast. And it was one of my absolute favorite episodes. And so I am truly honored to welcome you on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. So. And so you guys, I mean, you're both devoting, you know, your entire lives to the Amen clinics and to brain health. And, you know, you've written a book and, you know, you guys are thinking about potentially maybe writing a book together uh, in the new year. And you're really devoting your life to brain health. And so that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today. Um, were you kind of interested in that before you met him? Cause I know you're a nurse yourself, uh, or did it just kind of flourish when you guys kind of got together many years ago? Oh gosh, no. So I was a neurosurgical ICU nurse and I okay. wanted nothing to do with psychiatry. Um, in fact, when I found out that my husband was a psychiatrist, this is way back before he was on TV and all that, he was very well known in his realm, but not so much the general public when, you know, now he's like sort of known by a lot of people when we're walking yeah. around, but back then not so much. And, um, when I found out he was a psychiatrist, I almost canceled my first date with him. And no so I'm like, I don't want to be psychoanalyzed. I had been hurt by psychiatrists. My family had been hurt by psychiatry. And I'm like, I have zero interest in that. I was sort of a hard charging ICU nurse. Um, you know, I practice martial arts. He's very sweet and kind and, you know, and we were just very different. And so, um, yeah, I didn't want anything to do with him, but when I, met him after like during our first date, I'm like, wow, this guy is so nice. He's so cool. And so initially my thought was I'll be polite. I'll get through this lunch and that's going to be it. And then I was so fascinated by him and how he practiced psychiatry was so different that I was sort of, I was struck by it. And, um, I should add, I was also at the time I was working for a company called Medtronic. We did deep brain stimulation. So I was in their device department, um, their um, neuro department doing devices. So like deep brain stimulation and baclofen pumps. And so we just had the brain in common and we talked about the brain the whole time. And that's sort of how we got together. And um, yeah, it was just sort of, I was fascinated and I kept asking myself, why don't all psychiatrists practice this way? It sort of didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I would say- he's so incredibly passionate and so are you, but like, he's so incredibly passionate about what, when he talks about it, it's very different than anyone else. I think I've ever spoken to in terms of what they do as well. Um, so I can see why you would say that because he is, you can tell he just cares so deeply. Um, and really just, like I said, the both of you are develop, you're de- devoting your lives to brain health and that there's not enough information out there and that we can all live happier, healthier, longer lives if we kind of just pay attention to this stuff, even just a little bit. Um, and so 
I really am a huge fan of both of your work. Um, and for those of you who Thanks. don't know, when she says, yes, of course, when she says uh, he's been on TV and people are recognizing him, um, I feel very, very lucky and fortunate because I had him on the podcast before. And then all my friends, <laughs> people who are listening to the episode, who've heard it, they're like, who knew who he was because, you know, they listened to the episode. They were like, Dr. Amit is on the Kardashians right now. And, like, <laughs> and then he's like blow. I mean, he was already blowing up. Crazy, he, yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, it's I think he already crazy. had over a million followers. I want to say on Instagram oh, yeah. before that happened. So he was already. Yeah, now he's got 2 million on TikTok. It's sort of ridiculous. Our kids I, can't stand it. The kids in our house can't stand it because their friends all follow him. They hate it. I'm so, cracking up. I feel like they must be making jokes all the time. I, that's how I would be if that was my dad. <laughs> well, and they don't like that their friends are like always giving them a hard time. You know, God forbid they eat something they shouldn't. And they just, yeah. So it's like a whole thing. <laughs> no, actually, so, it's like that with me and my friends and at my house, because yeah. I'll be like, well, doc, my, I'll say to mom, I'm like, well, Dr. Amen says that we should <laughs> yep. constantly. Yep. And yep. I like, like, anyways, it's so funny, but um, he's become like a household name in, in our house. So um, yeah. But I digress. Uh, I love that you guys had that in common. And so now you're the VP of uh, Amen Clinics. And right. also when she mentioned that she practices martial arts, I see that you are a second degree black belt. Yes. So that it's a huge incredible. passion of mine. Yeah. I actually have a black belt in Taekwondo and a second degree black belt in Kempo. Very sad that at the moment I have a crushed disc. So I'm not oh, no. practicing. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, um, but I'm hopeful. I'm actually hopeful that I'm going back to it. I will not give up hope. So, because um, it's a huge passion of mine. So um, working with that right now and doing some things. And um, yeah, I actually wanted to sort of tie that into what we're talking about today. So, um, you know, what do you do when things don't go your way, right? When it's, right. it's you know, do you just give up and be miserable? Do you figure out how to be happy? Like, what is your attitude? How much does attitude have to play into um, your life, you know, your very best life. So, right. yeah, because yeah. I mean, I know you're a huge advocate for physical health as well. Um, so, you know, what are some of the tips and tricks that you have when the thing that you love that provides this sanctuary for you and this happy place for you, um, you're unable to do. So what are your tips around that? So it's really interesting. Um, so I actually consider karate. I practice Kempo. Um, I, pra I consider that therapy. Like there's nothing like going and just hitting stuff and kicking stuff and scream. Like you yell, you key eye. And so people think I'm crazy, but I'm like, no, like there is no better therapy than that. Just like getting it all out and you release endorphins. So when that was sort of taken away from me and it happened to be March of 2020. Okay. So that's when I first had my first injury. And then all of a sudden we were quarantined. I've had many injuries, but I'm like down for a week, two weeks, go back, you know, whatever I've had broken bones and it's like, okay, I go back. But then all of a sudden we were down. So now we're quarantined. I'm down. And all of a sudden I start having this excruciating back pain that I've never had before in my life. I mean, like, like I couldn't stand up back pain. And so no one's open. I kind of work myself back from it, but I started to get depressed and so then eventually I was able to go, you know, work myself back up and I start dragging myself to the gym and I'm working out five days a week and pushing through the pain, blocking the pain, ignoring the pain, doing all these things. And I had a friend of mine who actually happens to be an LAPD SWAT officer. And he, of all people, he like meditates and does all these things. And that's how he sort of stays grounded in his job and um, pretty mellow, happy person. And he's like, you need to read this book. 
It's the mind body prescription. And I got really irritated at first. I'm not going to lie. I got really irritated because I'm a nurse and I'm like, you know, some things are physical. Some things are just not mental. And so he's like, get the book. And so I got the book and I was sort of annoyed because I'm like, it's, it's really talking about, um, it's all in your head, but not the way that not in an insulting way. It's like when you have stress in your life, when you have anger, when you have rage, that's built up, even if you're not aware of it, how it comes out as physical manifestation, because you tense muscles. And when those muscles tense, they all of a sudden you're cutting off blood flow. Now you're building up lactic acid and that is pain right there. You've just, that's a prescription for pain. So it really is physical as well. So anyways, I was going through this whole thing and I'm like, okay. So I started rage journaling and I've never done that before. Right. We always do gratitude journaling. Right. So I start rage journaling and I'm like, what am I actually angry about? Cause I like my life, but all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I actually do have some built up anger and rage about things. And it's things you don't want other people to know. Cause if you're a good person, you don't want other people to know those things. So we stuff them down. Right. And pretty soon I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I'm like journaling all this stuff. And then I went and shredded it. I don't want people to know that stuff. No one needs to know it. I just needed to get it out. Right. You just need to get it out. So it's not right. built up in your system. And I started meditating more and praying more. And before I knew it, my pain went from like a 10 to a two. Wow. And so it's like, because those muscles begin to relax, it doesn't mean the injury didn't happen, but it means I was making the injury, the pain around the injury much worse than it needed to be. Right. So the meditation and you can't always change what happened to you. Just like you can't change past emotional trauma, but you can change how you're handling it. You can work with what you're doing. And maybe I'm not doing karate right now, but I started doing Pilates and working on my core with the hope that I'm going to go back at some point. Right. You begin to change your perspective on what you can do, not what you can't do. Focus on what you can do and just, you know, keep that hope in mind. And so, um, yeah, it just, you know, I started to really pay attention to, um, how our minds can really go to the negative and the dark. And when you do that, you increase your pain and you delay your healing. And it's just a really important thing to keep in mind. Yeah. I mean, I think probably if you're healing from anything, right. If you're healing from a broken heart, if you're healing from, you know, as you said, trauma, if you're healing from, you know, physical pain, whatever it is. Um, but really, I love that you said that before I forget this thought really quick, they did a study um, at Vanderbilt university. I forget the doctor's name um, on forgiveness and it was in the burn unit. So he was a doctor that handled really severe burns and burns are one of the, as a nurse, they're one of the hardest. If you have severe burns they are one of the hardest things to treat. They're really hard. They're devastating to people emotionally. They're hard to treat physically high risk of infection. They're just awful. And so he um, dealt with very severe burns and he did a study on forgiveness because what he found was that people who harbored hatred and anger toward either like the incident that had happened to them or people that were responsible for it or whatever, or even themselves did not heal. And the people who were able to forgive were the people who healed and did the best. And, but it delayed their healing if they couldn't forgive. And so that is right there, like such an incredible indication of the power of our minds, because when you hold on to anger and rage and you don't forgive, and we, we are focused on so much negativity, we don't heal physically. So just to your point of what you just said, you know, whether it's emotional or whether it's physical, it's really important. Wow. That's yeah. It's incredible to think about. And it's also just a really great reminder to just Mm -hmm. relax and 
tune into the things like meditation. I'm a big meditator myself. Um, and I wonder, um, how your friend, the SWAT guy, I wonder how he got into meditation because I know, um, the person who taught me, uh, who I learned to teach meditation from, I don't know if you know him, he lives, uh, in the LA area is David G and he has trained, um, a lot of the, uh, LAPD. So I wonder if he learned it from David G as well, but well, he's been doing this for a very long time. Um, he yeah, David has been around for a long, long time. Yeah, he's been uh, trained. Now he actually does a lot of training, but he um, he got into it way back because he he never drank a sip of alcohol in his life. And he's like okay. one of those people. He's always been very clean in how he lives. Um, but he wanted a way to not take it home to his family. And so he's like, you know, he saw sort of the negative culture in the department. And he's like, this is not going to be me. And he always knew that. And so he started way back with breath work and meditation. Wow. And he's like, when I go into my garage, the minute I pull, cause their jobs are, I mean, SWAT is like sort of the worst of the worst. When oh, yeah. they pull, he's like, when I pull into my garage and I take my uniform off, I don't take my uniform into the house. Cause metaphorically that's me taking off the day, the grime, whatever bad stuff I saw. And I'm going to go inside and I'm going to be daddy to little girls. Like that's it. I'm done. And so, and he's like, but the only way I can maintain that is if I'm doing my meditation, if I'm doing my exercise, if I'm eating healthy. So he sort of did it all. Um, but that's really, um, one of the ways that he got into meditation. Wow. Yeah. I love that. I love that. What a yeah. way to not bring your work home and yep. compartmentalize because it's healthy to do so in that way to when you have a job yeah. like that with such a high and he would throw job. his uniform right into the to, into the washer and he's like I'm not taking that inside so wow. um my sister is a nurse so um I think she kind of tries to do that as well um especially when it was during COVID times but yeah um oh, so that's yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty incredible. Um, okay. So to talk, I feel like there's 1 million questions that I could, I could possibly ask you. <laughs> I feel like I'm so excited to have this time with you. Cause I love this stuff. Um, so in terms of brain health, um, what are some simple everyday things that we can do to improve our brain health slash so there, also there are so many oh, go ahead. about, about alcohol and what your thoughts are on it. So there are so many very simple things we can do. Um, I actually wrote a book. Uh, it was my New York Times bestseller, The Omni Diet. And I, if you know me, you're one. Of, you can kind of probably tell by talking to me. I'm kind of an intense person. I'm one of those people who's like, you don't cross a canyon in you know a bunch of small steps. You jump it. So I tend to want to do everything, but the average person's not like that. It's actually easier for people to give them small things to do, right? Um, and there's so many little things. If you start drinking one extra glass of water a day, you're gonna feel better. If you start taking deep breaths, stop and do some breath work during the day, you're gonna feel better. If you meditate for just five minutes, some of you call it prayer, some of you call it meditation, I call it both. I think of prayer as talking to God and meditation is listening. Mm -hmm. That's just me. Um, but if you just take five minutes to do that, just those three things, you're going to feel better. Um, so those are, I mean, it's not that hard. Um, but, and then you start slowly incorporating some healthier things and you don't need to think of it as we're not creatures of deprivation. So it's like, if I start eliminating everything, you just, the minute you call something an elimination diet, people freak out. But how about if you crowded out your diet with so many good things, you really just don't have room for the bad stuff, right? You just start adding a bunch of good stuff and pretty soon you're full. Like, you're just like, it, I don't have time for that. I don't have room for that. And you just begin to feel better because when you eat those things or drink those things, it increases inflammation. 
Um, so interesting, you asked about alcohol. Um, so when I met my husband, I was a I was a trauma nurse. I worked in the trauma ICU and it was rough. That's a rough area. And God bless your sister for working during COVID. That's a hard time. Um, but yeah, it was hard. I, that was my first job was in the trauma ICU. It was a neurosurgical trauma unit where the helicopters came in. It was terrible. Wow. And so the stuff I saw as a new nurse was just like, what is happening? I would have nightmares, GI issues. It was crazy. And, you know, I used to buy into the idea that you could have a glass of wine every night because that was a study, right? <laughs> it was a nonsense study, yeah. but it was a study. I didn't know that at the time. And so then I meet my husband and he's like, yeah, let me show you the brains of people who drink every day, even if it's not a whole lot. And I'm like, oh, I don't want that. So, so research was showing like, if you keep it down to like one to two glasses a week, you're fine because your body has a chance to detoxify. Um, but make no mistake. There's nothing about alcohol that is good for you. People lie to themselves and they say it's good for you. And then I heard a, a podcast. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just have, you know, as long as I don't go over one or two glasses a week. And I never did. Um, but Dr. Huberman, who I love, I love his podcast. He's a Stanford professor. Cool guy. His podcast is great. And I was listening to one of his podcasts on alcohol. And I'm like, whoa, that guy does such a good job of explaining how the body detoxifies and what alcohol really does. And he just does such a good job in depth. And that was the first time I was like, it really is poison. Like it actually is poison. So if you're going to have a glass of wine, not saying I never do, but it's pretty rare now because it actually is poison and your body does have to detoxify it. And interestingly, it's in that detoxification process that you get the feeling of euphoria. So when you're feeling euphoric, just, to, just think to yourself, oh, it's because I'm being poisoned. <laughs> Basically, that's the reason you're feeling that way. Um, but also the big thing was that, that I took away was this, is, this was the scary part for me. One of the scary parts, there were a lot. Um, but it feels good. It feels relaxing because it's increasing dopamine and serotonin while you're having a glass of wine. But as soon as you're done, after you detoxify it, it actually drops it below baseline. And that's why you end up wanting another. Now, some people are not alcoholics. They don't need to have another. But as soon as I heard that it drops it below baseline, I'm like, then why? I mean, that that's damaging the system that is helping you maintain your steady levels of dopamine and serotonin. Right. And that's when I'm like, okay, like not going to say I'm never going to toast. I'm never going to like have a glass, but it'll be pretty rare. Like it's definitely more rare than it was before. I don't, and the other thing is I noticed my pain is higher. So why? Like now that I've got pain in my back, it's like, why? Um, yeah, it's an inflammatory. You know, right. I mean, I think I go on a personal note, I, I go back and forth all the time. Like if I know it's bad for me, then why am I drinking? It's like, right it's just, it's a hard thing socially to pull yourself all the way away from. And I, I don't drink many. I mean, I definitely don't drink that often. Um, but you know, when I do, it's like, I'll, you know, split a bottle of wine with my fiance and, right. you know, well, it's ingrained in our society. Right. Especially like red wine. I love in the winter when it's like, you know, it's cozy in New York city and I'm just, it's cold outside. It's like really nice to have a glass of red wine. Um, but you know, overall, would you, I mean, you say that it affects like cognitively, is it like our memory or just breakdown of cells? Like overall, like definitely kills brain cells. Yes. There's no yeah. way around it because alcohol yeah. is one of the few, it's actually one of the only substances that actually gets it penetrates and gets into every single type of cell in your body, fat cells, like all cells. 
um, and it's a hormone disruptor. So it actually crosses the blood brain barrier. It's one of the only substances that affects every type of cell in your body. So it's, um, it's like one of the only ones. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a poison. Um, and there's no way around that. There's no way else to say it. Um, and I didn't want to like acknowledge that at first either, but, and I don't even like drink very much, but it's just like, like you said, it's like, Oh, not every now and then it's nice to just have a glass of wine with a friend or whatever. Um, but at least I'm not going to lie to myself about it because now I just, you know, right. now it's like, I find other alternatives. I'm like, all right, I'm going to take some, what I do is I take some theanine and GABA because what it, what one of the things about alcohol is that it's increasing GABA. So it helps you relax. So I'll take some theanine and GABA, which helps me just to like chill and then have a cup of tea, you know what I mean? Or something like that. Is it the same? It's not the same because you're not getting that um, detoxification process that makes you feel that euphoria, but it, you're definitely more relaxed. That's why right. some of the mocktails now are putting that in their, in their products is oh, wow. the GABA. Wow. Yeah. Because it makes you feel relaxed. Oh, so, yeah. So this is my ginger lemon water, but yeah. So Interesting. just to find alternatives, you know, at least for most of the time. Right. I mean, and, and you do, I, what I try to tell myself is like, you know, over time, right? Like this is a short getting drunk with friends or having even one or two glasses of alcohol, it's a short-term gain for right. feeling fun for a night. But I just think about myself in the future. I think about me when I have children. I think about me when I have grandchildren. I think about being here for as long as I can and being a part of their lives. And I guess, you know, maybe my question is, you know, at what point is there, is there a time in which the damage that you do from drinking alcohol, do you think is irreversible? Or do you think that, you know, your brain, how does it pop? Like once you, if you were to stop drinking, like, does your brain refresh? Does it go back? You know, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it depends. So that depends, it depends on a lot of things. Number one, it depends partially on your genetics. It depends on how much damage has been done to your brain, not just from the alcohol, but from other insults have you had brain injuries? Have you had, I mean, there's all kinds of things, but one thing we do know now is the brain is more plastic than people ever thought. We thought that it's like, Oh, this is all you get. And you damage those cells and you're done. That's that for a long time. That's what they thought. If you damage brain cells, you don't ever get them back. But we now know that that's not true. You actually can regenerate brain cells. If you're good to your brain, we've actually shown it. We've done multiple studies at Amen clinics. Um, you can improve your brain. We can prove it. We can show it. We did it with our big NFL study. 80% of our players got better with a fairly simple program. So you have to stop doing the bad stuff and then you do a fairly simple brain health program and you can improve your brain function. Now, there are some people who have gone so far that they may not get enough function back. That doesn't mean you can't optimize what you have. So you want to be really careful not to be that person that takes it too far. Um, right. But genetics sometimes play a role. I mean, obviously, um, there are some people... Um, but that's not the norm. So that's not the norm where your genetics, you know, usually genetics load the gun. There are, there are certain cases where, I mean, obviously you've got kids that are born with say down syndrome. You're not reversing that. I mean, that's just one right. example to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but you can optimize anyone is my point. Right. So would you say that like brain fog, if you have that, if you have a hard time concentrating or paying attention or you lose your track of memory um, or, you know, your train of thought, if, if you will, um, is that symptomatic of a bigger problem? Is that something that's temporary that comes and goes? Um, you know, is it a sign of anything in particular, do you think? 
It completely depends. So brain fog can be a lot of things. Um, so if you're eating a, a diet that is really not good for you, that'd be the place to start, right? It doesn't necessarily mean you've got something big going on, but I would certainly want to know if I had something bigger going on. Is it because I am drinking too much? Is it because I'm not exercising? Is it because I'm too sedentary? Is it because I'm eating something I shouldn't be? Or believe it or not, people go buy supplements over the, over the counter and they think that all supplements are equal or doesn't matter because they don't really do that much. Not true. So for example, I can't take 5-HTP. I have sleepy frontal lobes. So if I take 5-HTP, I literally feel stoned. I just feel stoned. I can't focus. I have brain fog. I feel it's a terrible feeling. But if I take anything that is, does the opposite sort of stimulates, gives me that sort of dopamine feeling, right? Now I'm feeling good. That's good for me. So if I have a, if like I'm stressed out, I don't take 5-HTP, but GABA does help mellow me out and doesn't give me that stoned feeling. So it does matter. So if you're taking, sometimes if you're just taking the wrong products, it can affect you in a negative way. Mm -hmm. Stress can cause brain fog. I mean, so many things can cause brain fog. Very important to assess and know what's causing the brain fog. But if you're doing all the right things and you're having brain fog, then yeah, you want to know why. You at least want to know why. Yeah. Um, and you can go to Amen Clinics and get a brain scan <laughs> and maybe figure that out. Um, I need to go myself. Um, so trauma is something that's become, you know, a huge part of your life. Like you said, you started out, um, in the ICU trauma, um, unit, but you've kind of made that a little bit of your personal life work, um, talking about trauma that we experience as, you know, children and how that affects us as adults and affects our overall health. Um, and so one thing that you mentioned before we started the podcast was history doesn't have to be our destiny. And I, I wrote that down because I really loved it. Um, so I'd love to hear your take on trauma and, you know, sort of what you have, what you, your thoughts are on it in terms of our overall health. So my most recent book, which was a big, um, di like I completely diverted from what I normally do, which is health and fitness. Um, I wrote the Omni diet. I wrote, you know, the brain warriors way cookbook. And I wrote the brain warriors way with my husband, which were all health related books. And then I wrote the relentless courage of a scared child, which was hard for me to write. I didn't really want to write it. My husband was sort of nudging me for a long time. It's a very kind way to say he was pushing me to write this book. And I'm like, why? Why do I want to write that book? I've done therapy. I'm fine. Like, I, I feel pretty healthy and, and good now. Why do I need to bring all that up? Right. Um, but I had a woman approach me at an event one time at a John Maxwell event where my husband was speaking. And she was from Nigeria. And she came up to me and she was crying. She was like, I was hoping I would see you here. I thought she meant my husband. I thought she meant me as in, or you as in collectively you. Like, no, no, I'm like, oh yeah, my husband's right there. Right. My husband's right there. He's signing books. And she's like, no, you. She's like, I listen to everything that you've put out, your podcast and whatever. And I've read your book. And she said, and I pray every day that God will do for my life what he's done for yours. And if you can do it, I can do it. And I'm like, I really haven't said that. I am that people don't really know that much about my life. And I she couldn't have known this, but I, at that time had a, had a deal on the table with my publisher and I wasn't sure I was going to follow through with it. And when she said that it pushed me over the edge, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. Um, and I'd become sort of enthralled with the idea of ACE scores or adverse childhood experiences. Okay. Um, you can actually take a quiz online and you just look up ACE scores or adverse childhood experiences. And you take this quiz 
Okay. And the reason I became, yeah, I became obsessed with this was because you get scored from zero to 10 and it's based on, it's fairly simplistic. It doesn't take into account things like being bullied or race or, um, you know, anything like that. It just takes into account some basic family childhood trauma, like childhood trauma, not things like rape or anything like that. But it does take into account like sexual trauma that happened within the family. So I took the quiz and I scored an eight out of 10, which is not a good thing um, because anyone who scores over four, anyone who scores over four is at risk and has a tendency to have seven of the 10 leading causes like most common um, chronic illnesses in America. Anyone who scores over six dies an average of 20 years earlier. And so this has become a big, this is like a big focus now because it's costing Americans so much money, right? And chronic illness, all these problems. So, and why, why is that the case? I was like, why? That's crazy. That's not fair. This happens to you as a child. Why is that the case, right? It's because when the, when you put a child with a developing brain in chronic stress, it changes their brain development. Wow. When you put a child wow. in, in, in chronic, chronically stressful environment where there's like a tiger around the corner and they never know when the tiger is going to come wow. out, their flight or fight system is always on. They never settle down. And that completely changes how your brain develops. So you're stuck in flight or fight. You never know how to turn that off. And it, what happens when you're constantly releasing cortisol, when you're constantly, you know, releasing adrenaline, you get sick. That's what happens. (laughs) So you tend to get very sick or you then turn to things like drugs and addiction and all of these other things. And they even accounted for the fact that they took addiction out of the picture. They're like, well, of course it makes sense that they're getting sick because they're all addicts. No, that wasn't it. It was diabetes, heart disease, cancer. It was all the above. And so that's why I got fascinated. I became fascinated with it. And I'm like, but I'm not okay with that. I'm just right. not okay with accepting that. Now that said, I was a very sick kid. I mean, I, like I was one of those kids that was a frequent flyer at the hospital and that's part okay. of what my book was about. And as an adult, I got cancer at 23 that recurred multiple times. It really shouldn't have. I've had 10 medical surgeries and it's like, uh-huh. why? Yeah. Cause I look healthy. I exercise, you know, black belt, like, but why did all these things happen? And it turns out that like, oh, this explains my life, but I still want to know what I'm just, if you know me, it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to take that. So I wanted to know what I could do about it. And that's why I became so intensely focused on it. And I believe in something called post-traumatic growth. So many people are focused on post-traumatic stress, but there's also post-traumatic growth. Now, most of the people in my family have post-traumatic stress and they're addicts. And that's, that's a big part of my story is that it's just this culture of repeating the same cycle. And so as a result, we've actually adopted our two nieces. But for me, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to repeat that cycle. I'm not having a child and repeating that cycle. And I was determined to break it. And so um, that's really my story. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I feel, you know, inspired by that and motivated by that, that you just said, well, this is the kind of the hand I've been dealt, but it's not the hand that I have to keep. You know, it's like, I can put these cards back and play them differently or play them differently. The ones that you do have. Uh, And so that's really, really powerful for anyone listening that we don't have to accept, you know, there was so much that was out of your ending. 
Right. Yeah. Exactly. There's so much that's out of our control as children. And it's our job uh, as responsible adults to kind of decide where we want to go from where we are and how we want to, you know, allow the things that have happened to us uh, to to not be something that stands in our way and to to move forward in a way that that feels good if we choose to. And we have that right. power. And the best part of that story is my nieces who we adopted. They're a nine out of 10. They grew up in, wow. if I, I couldn't even begin to describe crazy to you. Um, yeah. So yeah. their story is crazy. We adopted them out of foster care. They were living in a garage, um, spending the night in front of, you know, their parents' drug dealer's house. I mean, crazy. Um, so their lives were horrible. And so we adopted them. But my daughter, I was an eight. My daughter's a one. So that's the goal. And that's going to be the title of the book that my husband and I, or the subtitle of the book that my husband and I are writing really is it's about eight to one. It's about breaking that generational cycle. So how do you go from eight to one or eight to zero, right? How do you break that cycle and not carry it into the next generation? You got, I, I know I've said this over and over again, but I just really believe like the two of you are just just doing such important work that is like so needed. I feel like when I spoke to him, like, I was just like, he is going to be like, I don't know, like a person of our time, like, and the two of you together and the way, and when he talks about like the way that you guys love each other and the way that you got, I'm just enamored with the two of you, your work individually, (laughs) your work together and how you guys seem on the outside anyways, to just love one another. So I just, thank you. He, and he really is the way he is. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, he's the yin to my yang. I'll put it that way. So we're very different and yet we work. Like, cause he grounds me. Um, mm-hmm. It's very, it's, it's sort of an interesting, con- people always laugh about it when they see us together. They're like, how did you guys end up together? I'm like, I don't know, but I couldn't be with someone like me for sure. So yeah. he's just very like soothing and grounding and life can be so busy and big with him because of who, like just the way his life is. And he acts like it's not. And I'm like, how do you do that? But that's kind of what I aspire to like, to mellow out like that. And, um, he just sort of rolls with everything and that's what I need. You know what I mean? I see that. I see that for sure. Um, and so gosh, I have so many other questions here to ask you. Um, but, oh, I have a, I have a question that's from my mom. Um, and if you don't know a lot (laughs) about this, then that's okay. But she wanted me to ask you because she's always on TikTok, and she wanted me to ask you about, if you know anything about magnesium, because according to her, she sees on TikTok all the time that magnesium is the number one thing that Americans are deficient in. And it is the most important thing that we need. And there's several different kinds of magnesium. And every time I talk to her, she's like, did you get your magnesium? And I'm like, I don't know which kind to get mom. And is it really that important? Or are you just seeing this on TikTok? So she wants me to ask you about magnesium. So I do know a lot about magnesium and yes, she's right. Most Americans are very deficient. In fact, um, about 80% of Americans are deficient. So, um, it's kind of crazy. And a lot of it started, I think it had to do with our soil. Our soil is pretty depleted. And so a lot of it had to do with that. And the fact that we don't eat food that grows out of the soil anyways. So, so we're all eating, you know, food that that is made in a plant, not from a plant. Um, Mm. so that is a lot of what it's about. Um, so I take magnesium every night. Um, here's the thing with magnesium. You, you can't overdose on magnesium, except 
you'll get diarrhea if you take too much. So sorry, I'm a nurse. So we're doing nurse speak. Um, So you can take it until you get loose stools. And if you get loose stools, you back off. So I would suggest starting with like 200 milligrams. Um, You can go 200 milligrams, maybe 300 up to 400. Most people beyond 400 need to start to be careful a little bit, Um, but it really depends on you. Um, So let's, so when I was a nurse, you can ask your sister this, you get these little old ladies that come in and they've got heart palpitations or heart rate is not right. It's not steady. What do we do? We hang a bag of mag. It's like what we do. It steadies Mm -hmm. the heart rate. It like calms everything down. Someone's super anxious. What do we do? We give them magnesium. PMS, what do you do? You give them magnesium. Like it's like crazy. It like helps Mm -hmm. with anxiety. It helps with an unsteady heart rate. It helps like with all these, it helps you with sleep. Now I don't take it in the morning because I can tend to get very tired. I mean like really tired. So I take it at night and I take chelated magnesium or magnesium glycinate. Um, when I'm working out, if I want to add some to my water, when I'm working out, I'll take magnesium torate. Um, but I stay away from citrate. A lot of people like magnesium citrate. It's the simplest form and like probably the cheapest and most readily available. It can tend to give you the runs. So I like, um, chelated magnesium, um, or magnesium glycinate for sleep. And that's typically all I take. Okay. She's right. There's a whole bunch of types, but those are the ones I would take. Okay. So so take that at night and then when you say, so I work out for a living, I teach at soul cycle. And so I okay. teach about 10 classes a week, which, wow. okay. yeah. So it, it scares me a little bit because I feel, I feel as though my body is constantly in a state and of because you're increasing cortisol. Yeah. Yeah. So it scares me a little bit. And I teach from the floor a lot because, and people that's, um, I should say frowned upon as a soul cycle right. instructor um, because they want to see their instructor on the podium. But I personally had a health scare um, a few years back and put me in the hospital for a while. And uh, it, I was burning the candle at both ends of the stick and expecting that there would still always be candle and there wasn't. Right. And so I ended up in the hospital and I got to this place where I realized like, I have to listen to my body. Yep. So the, it, I can feel slightly tired and I won't teach. I will walk around and have someone else ride the bike. Yeah. You um, can throw yourself into total adrenal fatigue, but also PCOS. And you have to be yeah. really careful with that. My, my daughter did that. I did. Yeah. I had PCOS. Um, but when you overstress your body like that, you have to be really careful. Yes. I, and, and so, yeah, I, and I just think about that all the time, but I did not know. And maybe this torate would help me. Um, if I did, yeah, that. there's, um, there's a few things you could actually add to your, to your water and all that's probably a little off topic and I can actually we help can you. In some stuff. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, some magnesium could help. Um, yeah, there's a few things you might want to put in there that could, could probably help you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I think it's not good to be constantly, I feel sore all of the time. My body is just broken down and sore all the time. I'm constantly, it's like being a professional athlete without an out, without an off season. Well, and it's when you're doing intense cardio, it's, or even anaerobic, that's what is actually the worst for you to do that often. So like short bouts of anaerobic are fine. Long, like doing it that much during the week is, is actually sort of detrimental to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I I try to do is ride one class a day, five days a week. And so I teach 10 and then I'll do one from the floor and one from, so I'm now I'm saying this out loud so that I'm, it's more so like accountability. Like I'm like, okay, I got to 
commit to only one a day, like period, especially when I want to try to get pregnant, um, which is, you know, sometime in the near future here. You can actually start to create PCOS, which will lead to infertility. It'll cause fertility issues. Yeah. yeah, we're not. So it's that. really okay. interesting. Men can, men's not good for men to do that either to overtrain, but they can tolerate overtraining better than women can. Yeah. So um, our, our bodies, the hormonal balance, it's just rough. Yeah. Yeah. Important. Um, okay. So I guess uh, there's so many more questions I want to ask you, but I like to kind of wrap it around this time, but I'll ask you one more question. Um, oh, this one. What are your favorite brain facts? Is that a good question? That, so Yes. So I think one of my favorite brain facts, because it's so simple and people can understand this, um, well, besides back up the one we just talked about, your brain is plastic. You can make it better even if you've been bad to it. And that's an important one. So some people don't want to make a change because they're like, well, I've already, I've already messed up. So why should I change now? It's too late. I can't do anything about it. Just like with exercise. It's like, well, I already messed up today. So I might as well just give in and eat whatever I want. It's nonsense. You guys know it's nonsense. It's like, that's trying to be perfect is an excuse to pick up your toys and go home. You know, you know, it's nonsense, but if you've been bad to your brain, you can still make it better. And that's good. My other, um, fun fact is that your brain is 80% water. So the reason, I mean, we know that, but here's why I love that because being slightly dehydrated actually can decrease your power in the gym by 19%. So being slightly dehydrated can decrease your power in the gym by 19, which means being hydrated is going to increase your power physically. And it also increases your cognition. They did a study with pilots, pilots who were 2% dehydrated, 2% dehydrated had cognitive issues. Now I don't want that pilot on my plane. So that's a big deal, right? So that's why it's important. Your brain is 80% water. And it's also the solid weight of your brain is 60% fat. So stop with the fat free fad, just eat healthy fat, right? We want to eat healthy fat. Don't eat fried fats and all that stuff, processed fats, but be thinking about healthy, wholesome fat, olive oil, coconut, you know, stuff like that, nuts and seeds and avocado. You need fat. Oh man, Tana, I'm in a bad way because I am not good at drinking water either. Ah, how can you do what you do and not be good at drinking water? Okay, You're killing I don't know right now. I know, I'm really bad. So for whatever reason, all of my life, like all of my life, my body does not tell me that I need water. I don't ever suffer from like, oh my God, I'm so thirsty right now. I just need some water. But like, you are still, <laughs> so you need to carry around a water bottle. I know. Just carry I need it around to. and go, I need to finish this by the end of the day. So carry around one of those 64 ounce things. And you're like, I just, it has to be done by a certain time. Yeah. And if you're doing two classes a day, you probably need a lot more than that. I'm so bad at drinking water. It's awful. I've been that way my whole life. Yeah. That's not going to serve you. <laughs> I'm okay. sorry. I'm sorry, but that is no, not I need this tough love anyway. I need this tough love. But- you know, yeah, I want to be around a long time. You know, so I gotta, you already know this, you know what I'm telling you already know. You don't need me to tell you that. I know. So but it's not going to serve your brain or your body. So, yeah. Okay. Got to drink more water. Make it taste good. Magnesium. So one, th- one of my tips is make it taste yeah, good. Liquid IV. So put, okay. Or no. Would what? No, it's full of garbage. Um, put some ginger. Like I put, um, ginger and lemon and a little cayenne pepper. Um, you can put a little tiny bit of honey, not too much. Um, the other thing is we make something called brain boost on the go. My husband doesn't like to drink water, drives me crazy. So he doesn't like to drink water and I'll try and get him to drink water and he won't. So he actually, because of that created something called brain boost on the go. And it actually is full of things that actually give you focus. 
but it tastes good. So you add it to, to water and it's got B vitamins and theanine and stuff like that. And it just helps to give you a boost, but it makes your water taste good. So don't add things that have artificial sweeteners or sugar or anything like that. It's got to be something wholesome, something good for you. I mean, I felt like I was doing an okay thing because if I put the liquid IV in it, then I, I drink it and I drink it all start to finish. I'll drink a whole entire, but yeah, because it's sugar or <laughs> addicted to sugar. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> oh goodness. All right. Well, last question I will ask you today is what is the best piece of advice that you would give your younger self? Cause this is how I close out every episode. Oh, I love this question. So I actually meditate on this a lot. And what I usually do is um, really just offer compassion. I mean, I not only tell her it's going to be okay, because we all say that you're going to be fine. Look at where you ended up. But basically, just it's the shame. Shame holds so many of us back. It's one thing to go through trauma. And for some reason, women who go through trauma feel shame, even if it was something done to them. But a lot of times what we have trouble getting past is the self-induced trauma, (laughs) the stupid stuff we did in our teens or our twenties, that's the hardest stuff to get past. So looking back and not being afraid of it, just like this pain I'm going through physically right now, instead of blocking it, I've been going into it. Mm -hmm. So I go back when I meditate and I go to that younger self in those really painful moments that are hard to even open the door to. And instead of blocking it, I go into it and I go to her and I'm just like, it's okay. You did the best you could and release that shame because shame is a killer. And that just, you know, offer forgiveness and shame. I mean, offer forgiveness and release the shame. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on. I knew that I would enjoy this conversation uh, and I really looked forward to it for a long time. So thank you so much for being on. Oh, it was so much fun. I feel like we have so much more to talk about, but <laughs> we'll do it another time. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we can do an IG live or something. <laughs> yeah, we should. I'd love that. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Um, I knew that today's episode was going to be a treat because, you know, if you follow them, the two of them, her husband, uh, Dr. Amen, and also Tana on Instagram, you can see that they have real genuine love between the two of them. And not only that, you can see that they are genuinely passionate about their work. Like, really, really care. I highly recommend following both of them on Instagram. Uh, so I just knew this episode was going to be a treat. I knew that I was going to absolutely enjoy her company as much as I enjoyed, uh, his. And so it was exactly that. And I hope you learned as much as I did. Um, your girl will be drinking much more water. I'm, this is my like 2023 goal. You guys, I think I'm going to put it at the top of my list, like above everything else, because I bet I'm willing to bet all of my other goals might be just a little bit easier if I prioritize drinking water. So that's what I'm going to do. That's that's my biggest, most giant takeaway from today's episode is to drink more water. Um, Also, thanks. Shout out to my mom for uh, the magnesium push. So I'm going to get into that. But overall happiness and prioritizing that uh, and longevity of our brain health. And so I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, Please give us a follow on Instagram at verybestself. I... I'm at Victoria Brown, but above all else, we would love if you could subscribe to the podcast, leave us five stars. And if you have a moment, then we would really appreciate a review. So thanks so much for listening. I'll see you guys next week.